0: The Only Male Cruise Show, the podcast. I am the only male cruise. Be sure to hit the like button, share, subscribe, leave a comment. You know, I want to hear from you. Copyright disclaimer regarding fair use is in full effect. The views and opinions expressed in this show, you guessed it, they're all mine. Let's go to work. Welcome to The Only Male Cruise Show, the podcast. I am the only male cruise. Be sure to hit the like button, share, subscribe, leave a comment. You know, I want to hear from you. Today, the title of this episode is Reparations What is H.R. 40? Now, one of President Biden's recent nominees to the Federal Reserve Board of Governors has repeatedly called for Black Americans to receive reparations for years of economic discrimination and slavery. And according to a report on Monday, um, Biden announced the nomination of lisa cook who is a michigan state university economics professor now if confirmed cook will be the first black woman to be part of the seven person board uh, according to cook everyone has benefited from slavery everyone and cook also states that she thinks that we absolutely need some sort of reckoning with that there are many proposals on the table to study The possibility of reparations, many economic proposals being put forward, and she thinks they should all be taken seriously. Now, Biden said during his 2020 campaign that he backs the study of paying reparations and also uh, voiced support for a House bill that would create a panel to consider the matter as well as the effects discriminatory policies have had upon generations of former slaves and their descendants. According to Lisa, one thing I do support is H.R. 40, which would put in place a commission to study this. I think it's absolutely necessary, absolutely what needs to be done. It's difficult not to comment on a particular plan because there would be many different plans to achieve the kinds of reparations that two of the authors are suggesting. Now, critics of reparations argue there is no mechanism for fairly distributing payments, They also claim the compensation isn't needed because of advances in racial equality over recent decades. Now, that uh, remains to be seen. I doubt that very seriously. But my guest today is Samantha from Black Political Swingers. Um, She's here to uh, share a brief overview on exactly what H.R. 40 is, as well as bring awareness to some current candidates who are running for political office who also support reparations. So with that being said, I want to thank you, Samantha, for joining and how are you today?
1: Hey, how are you, Mel? I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So with
0: HR reparations or the HR 40 bill, I personally do not know a lot about it. I've heard conversations. I've listened to uh, a hearing that they had, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was live. Um, one of the things that really struck my or got my attention was that Lisa Cook is a black woman. I know she has a PhD in uh, economics, um, a very impressive record. And of course, a lot of people are uh, critical of her even um, being nominated to this position. Uh, I think I heard some critics say that she's more qualified to coach an NBA team, um, more qualified to do that than be on this board of governors for the Federal Reserve. Yeah. So wow. you know, yeah. But, I mean, we always have to get the <clears throat> the short end of the stick and the most ugliest depiction of our skills and abilities. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, can you? Uh, what is H.R. 40
1: and, and what what does the H.R. stand for? So H.R. stands for the House of Representatives. Um, and the number is just the is 40 because um, that's just um, the, the. What do you call it? Like the um, order it came in. Mm-hmm. So it was a bill that was established. It actually was established back in the 90s, um, originally by uh, Congressman Conyers. Um, and then it sat in Congress unsigned with no sponsors for about, probably about 30 years. Oh, wow. And then with the ADOS movement, American Descendants of Slaves movement with Yvette Carnell and Antonio Moore, the bill began to get more, um, I guess you would say more attention. A lot of us did not, had never heard of HR 40 before the ADOS movement started a few years ago. And so it, it kind of got into the spotlight. And the first thing we noticed was that a lot of the Black, um, Congressional Black Caucus members did not, had not even sponsored it, had not signed it, signed onto the bill. And so that was the first problem was, um, why would you say you're for Black people, but not sign this reparations bill that's been sitting in Congress for 30 years. And so once we put them on the spot, the CBC, and then you had, of course, Kamala Harris, at the time who was running um for president in the i think it was in the 20 for the 2020 election she ended up dropping out but she was in the when she was in the primary she was you know we just had a lot of people pander starting to pander and say yeah i'm going to sign the hr 40 bill i'm for reparations for black people because they knew they needed our vote to the democrats needed our vote to win and of course like once she gets in you hear nothing else about it but um the HR 40 bill in and, in and of itself is, to me, is problematic off top just because it's only like a study. Mm-hmm. um, And I, I feel like I would love to say a study is OK, but knowing how our government is, you know, they're extremely um, racist. I feel like they are using it more as a. Um, like, it's kind of like symbolism, mm-hmm. you know so you get to say i support reparations for you guys um by us pushing this legislation but that legislation in and of itself does not actually give us reparations it's just a study right uh, Or they're creating it and i think it's like a, a commission they're putting together to study the reparations for us and i'm just like it's been about five centuries um since this atrocity to our ancestors started, you know, occurred. It was in about the 1600s. And now here we are and it's not even over. You know, we went from the slavery, of course, to Jim Crow, the redlining, the um, reconstruction era that really did not reconstruct us. You know, Uh, we were freed and emancipated. But then, you know, we basically ended up right back on the plantations that we were freed from because there was no jobs for us. And so we ended up doing the sharecropping and you know, we, we just, it's just one, it was one thing after another. And so we're long overdue Mm -hmm. um, for this debt that's owed. And um, so to me, a lot of, a lot of people in our community are just not happy with them just coming up with this study, even though I do think it's needed if you want it to be done correctly, but I, I feel like we need to definitely give them a time limit like 18 months or something. And sure. go ahead. Well, this has been in play
0: for uh, like, how long has this been in play? Because my understanding is that the study, when I listened to, I guess uh public forum meeting they had where people were allowed to, uh, due to COVID, they came in um, through zoom or what have you, but they were allowed to, I think they were given like three minutes to uh, speak their opinion on whether they thought it was, reasonable to have and why they should have it and why they shouldn't have it. But how long has the study been in effect at this point?
1: So that's actually what the bill is for. And the bill has not even been passed. So it has to go from the House of Representatives to the Senate, and then the president has to sign off on it. So the study actually hasn't even started. They're um, actually just trying to get um, it passed through the House, which it hasn't even been passed through the House yet to my knowledge um, i know people have signed on it but i don't think it's actually been passed okay and it's cuz it's not in the senate at all and so um uh cory booker congressman cory booker, booker he actually uh senator cory booker i'm sorry he actually created the um s40 so that's the uh what do you call it is is kind of like the the complementary bill in the senate for the hr40 bill so it's the senate version Um, So he is pushing that. But again, that only was there when they were running for like, you know, he was running for the presidency in the 2020 election. And once more, it's another bill that's just kind of like sitting there collecting dust now that, you know, that election is over with. We haven't heard anything about it. So it still has to go through the process to just be passed before they can even study it. And I think that's what is so frustrating To a lot of people who do know um, the history of the HR 40 bill, is we're just getting impatient, and people are just feeling like you know it took 30 years just for you know the CBC who claims they're for Black people to Mm -hmm. sign off on this bill, and then now that you finally signed off on it again, it's just sitting there like no one's. They're passing bills for Native Americans, trying to give money to illegal immigrants, you know. They're just having time to do all these other things and HR 40 is just being overlooked. And then, and then the fact that it's not even doing anything, but just creating commission to study, that's just, you know, problematic.
0: So how long will that take? So I, I did also find that, uh, I guess it's representative Tom McCormick from California Republican. Uh, One of his critical remarks is I can't imagine a more divisive, polarizing or unjust measure then one that would be government force, one that would be by government force require people who never owned slaves to pay uh, reparations to those who never were slaves based on not based not on anything that they'd done but only because of what race they were born and that seems to be like the the overwhelming sentiment of reparations, no matter who you're speaking to, and it looks like that's what's behind the um lack of movement on this hr 40.
1: Well that's like that you know that's that's um just white supremacist talking points i i think it's, is this mccormick or mcclintock mcclintock thank you yes okay McCl- i was trying to look i was like i'm looking for i couldn't find him mccormick Sure. but you know that's a lot of the white men especially in like the uh republicans because he probably is a republican but a lot of the republicans and a lot of um the senate are saying those things you know and of course they're going to say those things to create some reason they don't want to just flat out say we don't want to give black people money that they have you know uh, earned already because we've already done the work by building the entire country but they don't want to say that so they'll say oh it's going to be divisive how you know and again i'm like we're already an extremely divided country right now (laughs) it's like extremely racist Very divided. We saw what happened on January 6th of last year with guys, trying, you know, people trying to overtake the Capitol um, and overthrow our government and can't get any more divided than that, personally. So, you know, that's that rhetoric is uh, kind of just disconcerting because it's like we're not trying to get reparations to make white people feel good. It has nothing to do with them. It's about a debt owed. You know, you enjoyed the labor of my ancestors, the torture, the murdering pillaging um stealing land burning down our communities etc and someone has to be held accountable you know so it's like not only is it a debt owed because of work that would labor that was being done but right. also just the uh, pain and suffering that's right. occurred over the centuries to our people that's extremely had an extremely detrimental effect on our communities so um Yeah. When I hear stuff like that, it's just I just think, you know, it's kind of reminds me of CRT where the parents are saying, oh, I don't want my kid to feel bad for being white. But it's not about your feelings. You know, these are just it's just the right thing to do.
0: Absolutely. So to your knowledge, to your knowledge, uh, Samantha, what are some of the details in this H.R. 40? Like what is it asking for as far as the study? What direction are they going in? Do you have some details about that?
1: Yes. So I'm, I'm a true believer of not reinventing the wheel. So I actually follow um, Dr. Sandy Darity. He started out with the ADOS. I mean, he's been actually doing the research for, for decades, um, probably like since the eighties or nineties, he's a Duke professor um, in North Carolina and he's an economist. He's uh, and I'm like, who better to do the work than an economist, you know? So he's been studying, you know, the, the repercussions and just the way that our our uh, tribe, we call ourselves descendants of chattel slavery, freedmen, some people will call themselves ADOS, but it's still the same, you know, the same descendants of chattel slaves, the same people. Um, and he's been studying just the after effects of how slavery, redlining, et cetera, has um, completely, just the effect it's had on our community economic from an economic perspective. And so, you know, people, you'll see a lot of articles where they're discussed constantly about the racial wealth gap and how do we close it. They just try to, you know, a lot of, you know, white people, they'll write these articles and they'll act like they just don't know the answers. And it's like, mm, you know, if you make someone work for four centuries and don't pay them, that's why it's there. <laughs> and, you know, so it's like the the only way to fix this is to pay us. You know, there is no other way. There are no programs that's going to close it. There are no, you know, amount of, you know, credits or scholarships or whatever that's going to close it. We need hard earned cash. We need the land that you took away. We want it back you know, we want you to put legislation in so we don't have mass incarceration and things that are going to systematically continue to hurt us even after we get the money. So s- Dr. Sandy Darity, he actually wrote, wrote a book. Um, I I wish I could remember the woman's name, actually. I have it, the Audible, but he wrote it. He co-authored it with another, uh, uh, I want to say she's another scholar that works with him and it's called From Here to Equality. And in that book, he outlines... Um, like what happened to us in the past and then how we're going to move forward from there to make us have the equality that we deserve as American citizens in this country. And so he has done several interviews and he does discuss why he thinks HR 40 is extremely um, just not quite right uh, mm-hmm. as it sits today because of the wording in the legislation Um, one thing about the HR 40 bill is it does include, um, it has like word, you know, verbiage that will include minorities and people of color, like other groups essentially. Mm -hmm. So that's like the first problem. And then we also have, we also found that, um, through him studying it, that there's in COBRA, which is their name is national coalition of blacks for reparations, in America. And then you also have the national African-American reparations Com- commission, which is NARC. And mm-hmm. they pretty much have like, um, set things up so that they will be getting kickbacks from this yeah. commission. <laughs> yeah, so that was, you know, and, and, you know, we probably wouldn't be as bothered by it if we actually thought they were doing the work, but they have been aware of this bill. They've been quote unquote doing, you know, doing reparations work, for 30 something years, but literally like no one knows who they are. And Uh when we, when you go down that rabbit hole to study their, their history, their background, Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, I I don't know what the word is, but just a lot of corruption. It's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of co-opting of, uh, the entire, just kind of like the NAACP, just a lot of co-opting of that, that entire organization. And so it's at the point now where it's like, are you working for the people or do you have like corporate, interest going on here you know so so that's again just very worrisome
0: right so i did find the title of that book from here to equality looks like that's from uh Kristen or a Kristen mullen
1: and that's her name a Kristen mullen correct okay um so
0: what specifically in this hr 40 are they saying like have they indicated all right every um qualified individual will get you know, a hundred dollars, a hundred million dollars. What what are they projecting, or what are they proposing as far as the amount of money um, that each person who qualifies under the criteria? What amount are they saying that we should receive?
1: Well, that's the thing, because it's a study. They don't have amounts in there yet. It's just they're just setting up a commission to study. Wow. So that's what we are focusing on is how, who's on that commission, right? right? Like we want the right people in, in that room. And then secondly, who are you setting this commission up for? Like, who are you writing this legislation for? Is it going to be for descendants of child slavery or is it going to be for descendants of child slavery, Native Americans and people of color? Mm-hmm. So those are the types of things that we're kind of looking at right now. It actually doesn't even have, we're not even at the point yet where it has a, a number. So doesn't, pay- because yeah. the commission is going to do that. It, once the commission has been formed, then they have to study the effects of um, systematic racism and you know um, the ways that they've held Black people back over the centuries, on top of slavery, et cetera. They have to look at those impacts and see. Then they'll discover, okay, this is how much money you know we're proposing that we should be paying you. Um, right. and of course, Dr. Sandy Darity, him being an economist, grateful for someone like Kim and Kristen Mullen who or have done that work already, they already have the number. So we would know if the government would come to us with this low ball number and be like $800,000 or whatever. We know that it's in the trillions Mm -hmm. and we know that it's going to have to be paid over a period of time. It's not going to just, you know, unless they want to just write a huge sum of money at one time, it's probably going to be occurring over, um, I know for Evette Carnell, she said at least like a decade or if not longer. Mm -hmm. So it depends on how the payments are sent out.
0: So based on the way you're describing this HR forty, which is um I, I you know I interpret it as toothless
1: at this I'm point. I'm sorry. Um, Mel, you're it's kind of like scratchy. Oh. Um,
0: is this any better?
1: It's like is the matrix kind of like it feels like the okay. matrix a little bit.
0: All right. Is this any better?
1: No, it still sounds the same. All right, hold on. Hold on, just a moment. Okay, is this any better? That is much better. <laughs> awesome. Okay, great.
0: Yeah. Not today, devil. You're not going to stop this. Today. I know.
1: They're trying to stop us. Yeah. We're getting, yeah. whenever he's doing this real work, here, yeah. come, here comes See. something. The devil trying to hey, break hey, it, God. cut it down.
0: Indeed. So, <laughs> my my question was so if HR 40 is stalled and just collecting dust, can mm-hmm. another state or another body of government? Um, from a different state, can they write a reparations bill or, you know, can they kind of circumvent the the, the the stalling that's going on here? Is there an alternative to get some energy behind the effort for reparations?
1: So to my knowledge, there there are a lot of reparations bills occurring across the country right now. The, the most notable one is the one in California that uh, Governor Newsom has recently signed and that's under the work of Friday Jones. Her organization is called uh, NAASD uh, la That's the branch there. And she actually, they actually have chapters across the nation, but they're they're doing great work. And um, their goal, they did do some work with Antonio Moore, who is one of the co-founders of ADOS, and because uh, he's actually based out of California too. And they have a whole task force along with the D- the state DOJ working on this initiative which is really impressive so they basically have already um passed like a bill to study um what the impacts are to the people you know the the citizens of um, of california based on the state of california and the economic you know issues that they have and what's like what's been causing the racism what has caused those economic issues and so their goal is right now. They're actually doing what the HR forty bill would be doing at the federal level. They're doing it at the state level. Um, they're studying, so they have eighteen months to do this study to see, you know, what needs to be done to um, repair, which is why it's called reparations, um, mm-hmm. to repair the the descendants of chattel slavery in that state. And um, just the harms has been done, such as I know you've probably heard of um, Bruce's Beach being returned to their family, um, which is really great. You know, so they're doing such great things. And the the wonderful thing about it, because we do have other bills in other states, but they're the only ones that I feel are actually getting creating a study for true reparations It's not. Programs is not uh, baby bonds or whatever. It's, exactly. it's like the real deal. We're going to give you land, your land back. We're going to pay you, you know, money that you guys have uh, earned over the the centuries of labor in this in this state and so on and so forth. So that's why I highlight them, because New York has a reparations bill that I've heard about. I think yeah. Georgia, the state of Georgia has. Some type of reparations bill that they uh, that they're push either pushing, and a lot of them are not either have passed it and it's not a true reparations bill, or they're just in talks about it. Right. And so there, so the goal with California's reparations bill, like that's why all eyes are really on them right now, um, because whatever they're doing, they're pretty much setting the stage for what needs to happen at the federal level. And because it's California is such a big state that is going to have whatever happens there has a huge influence that reverberates across the entire country so everyone's like eyes are on california and what they're going to come up with once that study is done and so um that's their goal is to pretty much have that uh impact to force the federal government to do their jobs it's kind of like um to compare it's kind of like the, you know, legalizing marijuana, you know, it started at a state level. And if enough States sign off and say, yeah, it's legal, here's legal, here's legal. here, then at some point, everyone's gonna be looking at the federal government, like, okay, it's literally legal in every state. How are you still making it an illegal thing? You know, now you have to legalize it. And so that's basically like one way that we're putting the pressure on the federal government is that way. And then another way we can segue into, I'm sorry, one second. But that's why we are getting more politically involved, which I love seeing, um, because a lot of us really don't did not grow up in a political household or have like this political big political background. Mm-hmm. But our our uh, descendants of chattel slavery, the, our people, we're pra- basically educating ourselves more on how to be politically literate, how to vote more strategically for policy and not party like the vote. Right boat blue no matter who is like, no, 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 that's ignorant. So we're kind of like educating ourselves. And we do have Yvette Carnell and Antonio Moore to thank for that because and Yvette Carnell actually has a major, she's a poly sci, political science major and Antonio Moore is an attorney out of the city of California. They're very, you know, very intelligent uh, people and they are are part of our tribe, you know, the sense of child slavery. So we're just blessed that we know their hearts and are in the right place because they're fighting for us and they are us. And they they have educated us. Um, so a lot of people took what they learned from them, and they just took it off, took off and ran with it. Um, so we're probably running in different directions, but we're essentially all working towards reparations. And so with Black political slingers, we actually our focus and goals are to not only educate people politically, our our tribe specifically, but also to put um, reparationist uh, candidates in office so that they can push the bill through Congress. Because one thing I noticed, um, I created this organization because I noticed that um, when people are fighting for legislation to be passed um, in in Congress in D.C., there's never anyone that's in the room fighting for us specifically. All of CBC, you have, you know, you have people who are from different countries, which is nothing wrong with that, but um, maybe they should have, you know, because there's actually caucuses that are specifically for the Caribbean and other ethnicity. So I don't think you should really just put yourself under flat blackness and say, I'm the CBC. And then there really is no caucus just for freedmen, just for descendants of chattel slavery. And even the people who are a freedman are from that um, lineage. They're not even fighting for us like a Clyburn, you know, for example. So we have like Marcel Dixon is actually running against Jim Clyburn. Because we wanna replace him. We wanna put one of our reparationist candidates in his seat because he's been sitting there for 30 years doing absolutely nothing for our people specifically. And so we that's this is our response. This is our our anger that we're pushing back and saying, you know, not only are we going to use our voice through our vote, but we're literally gonna send our specific candidates to Washington to unseat you. And do the work that you'd never could bring yourself to do because That's you're being beholden to hold into corporate interests. <laughs> right,
0: but now I, I do want to back up because I I do want you to to kind of give a, uh, you know, just a, a overview of the candidates um, that uh, Black political swingers um, is behind and and galvanizing. Um, but here's my question: uh, back to this HR forty. So, uh, um, the it has been said. Or the longest that anything that happens in California, if the law passes in Cali, then we can expect that it's going to be a nationwide law at some point. And I do know, um, and the reason why I know this in particular is because I used to live in Evanston, Illinois, and so I know that they passed something there in the city um, that they're calling reparations, which is really a, a half-hearted attempt. I thought I heard somebody make a comment at the hearing that they had um, that the way they have that structured, the people who would be eligible for it still don't qualify for it because that now it's, it's something to do with we're going to um, get you some type of a, a discount, for lack of a better term, to be able to purchase a home, but they don't even have the income in order to qualify for the home or what have you. So if different states, because you mentioned something's going on in Georgia, if different states do enact some form of reparations, should everybody just move to those states where it's enacted, or should people just stand fast and wait until it becomes something uh federal, a federal law?
1: So I'm glad you asked that. Um, I don't think people should just move to those states, one, because I, I think they're gonna go based on possibly lineage like who was here in this state that was impacted so they I feel they might try that I don't want people to just move and assume that they're going to get a check because that may not even happen and then second of all like you just said it's um not even true we call it either true reparations or pure reparations um so why you know why even bother to move to the state just to get a credit for a house or something that you may not even qualify for so we are saying stay put, but actually a lot of us are talking about a reverse migration or returning back to the South, if we're going to move anywhere, just to um, have a stronger hold on our political our political power as to who's going to be in office from local, state, and national levels um, to make sure that you know whatever we're going to do is going to actually really be effective because the people that we're putting in, in office is going to make sure we have true, you know, true, pure reparations pushed through this legislation
0: and representation. okay. well, I mean, thank you. You've really put some clarity on this H.R. 40, at least for me and hopefully for our listeners. You're welcome. Um, So back to the uh, what is it, political or black political swingers. That's your organization. And uh, let's talk about the candidates that you are profiling on there and exactly what it is you're doing with them.
1: So Black Political Swingers was created kind of like a lot of things in this movement out of anger and frustration. <laughs> wow. So I originally created it because I was tired of Black people feeling like they cannot vote for any other party except Democrats. And we know that the Democrats literally we've been voting religiously for that party, at, you know, a very high percentage rate for at least seven, probably about seven decades, six or seven mm-hmm. decades. And they just, they just don't have that track record of doing anything for our people. So for black, you know, descendants of chattel slavery tribe. So I decided, you know, I, like this year, I'm a Republican and I was trying to talk to some of our people in different rooms, like on clubhouse or Twitter spaces about, you know, why don't we vote Republican just to, as a protest vote to show Democrats, we're not playing around with you. We've been voting for you all this time. And If you don't give us what we want as far as reparations, if you don't get this legislation pushed through and passed and signed, we're voting for the other party and we're going to put them in the White House and put them in Congress. And yeah, and actually the interesting thing, a lot of people don't know, but um, the Republicans are actually being more receptive to listening to us when we talk about reparations than the Democrats, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people don't even know that. Um, and so, s- black political swingers was born out of that, uh, just wanting to open uh, my people's eyes to be o- f- learn to feel comfortable voting for red or voting for a Republican Party, because a lot of people don't know that we also actually used to be re- the Republican Party. Like oh, yeah. right? when it first, when we first really got into politics, okay. we were the Republicans, and then I'm I'm not sure how we kind of switched over to Democrats. As some people said we were ran out of that party through KKK. Um, I did some research and there's just different stories of how we became blue or became Democrats. But either way, my thing is, I don't know why we're being loyal to one party um, because they are one and the same to us. And we know that. So you need to play them off each other. You know, you need to be more strategic and vote for whomever has the policy that you want, not the, you know, not just I'm just with this party because America's never been loyal to black people. So why are we being loyal to them? And so that was the first thing. And then once I created it, I started, I met Tamara Johnson-Sheely. She's actually running for office, uh, the U.S. Senate in the state of Georgia. And she asked me to work with her on her campaign for phone banking. And then through the meeting that I had with her, Marcel Dixon was there. And so was um, another woman who was representing him. So then we kind of got together and started, like she started working with me kind of like as a partner, but she has like her own organization, um, her name is Sisterrella. And so she was representing um, Marcel. And then from there, Marcel told us, hey, there's like other reparations that are actually running right now. We're like, really? And we then, you know, we just kept, it just kind of happened very quickly quickly over the last several months. And so we found, that's how we found out about uh, Reverend William Somerville out of the state of California running um, uh, for the U.S. Congress as, in the House of Representatives. And then we found out about Brandon Dean, who is running in the state of Alabama for the U.S. Senate as well. And then from there, somehow we found out there's a mayor running in Augusta, Georgia. And his name is Christopher Leggett. Um, and he's a reparationist, like a hardcore. So we actually vetted all these people. Awesome. And so that's that's what we became. We became, you know, we vet people. We ask them the questions, make sure they really are for true reparations for our people. Yeah. So somebody can come back and basically say, yes, we vouch for these people. This is what they're really about. Awesome. And then we, I'm sorry, were you saying something?
0: No, I was saying awesome. That's
1: awesome. Oh yeah, and then, And then we offer them whatever they need, whatever resources they need, because we want to get them in office. So if they need phone banking, we offer that service. If they need digital marketing, we offer that service. Um, Ground teams, we put ground teams together for them, like whatever they're needing, because we know we're working usually without corporate PAC money. So it's a grassroots movement. So that's basically how we came to be it was like basically a void, something that needed to be filled, and we we just filled it. We were just there to fill it because no one else was doing it. And we were just like, whatever you need, we're going to make it happen because we want to see you guys in Washington. And so that's where we are. We promote them, our candidates. We um, provide them with different services that they may not be able to get otherwise, you know, because of budget, budget reasons, et cetera. And so that's pretty much how we are. We find volunteers for them to, you know, do the phone banking, passing out flyers, etc. And so we're pretty much like a one stop shop just to make sure running campaigns for uh, and we're also political strategists as well. We have political strategists on our team. So we also work with them on helping to form their um, strategies and what best works for their campaign. But um, we do this specifically only for reparationist candidates. And there's other um, companies out there that do things like this, but they'll be for like the LGBTQ or for minorities, et cetera. And we're just tired of not being represented intentionally, you know, so.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's awesome. And I I want to thank you, Samantha, for You know, taking just a little bit of time out of your day today and spending it with me, um, and just kind of sharing—you know—helping us, putting us, putting me on game uh, as it relates to the particulars uh, about this HR forty, and then just that overview on reparations. So, I do want to thank you again. Your website is www.blackpoliticalswingers.com. I did go to the website; it's a nice website, a lot of information on there. So. Um, and it also looks like there's a contact page on there, so that people, if they have questions or what have you, they can reach out. Um, I thank you very much for pulling up. I appreciate it greatly.
1: You um, are welcome. I really enjoyed this interview, Mel. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You're welcome. So that's that's the podcast. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, leave a comment. You know, I want to hear from you. And until next time, we will see you when we see you. Welcome to the Only Male Cruise Show, the podcast. I am the Only Male Cruise. Be sure to hit the like button, share, subscribe, leave a comment. You know I want to hear from you. Copyright disclaimer regarding fair use is in full effect. The views and opinions expressed in this show, you guessed it, they're all mine. Let's go to work.